What is going on, brother Moni? What is going on, brother Dan? Did I just destroy your name with my Australian accent? No, not really. You said it pretty much right. <laughs> I didn't notice anything. So for the gentlemen, the men around the world who watch this, tell me about yourself, man. Tell me uh, who you are and I guess tell the guys how we know each other. Yeah, so what's up, guys? My name is Munir Lazuni, and I am an online fitness mindset and lifestyle coach. And uh, <clears throat> the, the way I ended up with this whole career is I started off as a personal trainer right out of college, and I was always really into the personal development side of things, and I always really saw myself as somebody who was mentoring my clients and not just helping them improve themselves physically, but improve themselves mentally and in life. And as I grew into that role as personal trainer, eventually became a manager, I found myself mentoring other trainers and spreading this message of positivity, of hard work, and of keeping your entire life and your priorities balanced. Now, ironically, at this time in my life, I was working a lot, I was working out a lot, but I spent very little time with my social life, with my relationships, with dating, with friends, and it really did actually wear down on me quite a bit. And so when I started my own business, I really sought to find a balance between these three different aspects of life. And while it's always an ongoing journey for each of us, that is ultimately who I work with is young, ambitious men who are looking to have it all in life, so to speak, which is a difficult task because to have it all, you got to do it all, which means balancing out your body, your fitness, your nutrition, your training, your sleep, along with working on your career, your business, constantly pushing yourself forward. And lastly, creating space for the people in your life, family, relationships, friends, while also giving time and attention to those people in the way that they need what to. What age did you start this journey, man? What's up? What age, what age did you start fitness? What age did you start like managing gyms and mentoring people? Like that's some uh, some serious shit. Like what age did you start all this? Yeah, well, I mean, I started working out when I was 15, and I became a personal trainer when I was 22. Um, I think I became a manager right before I turned 23, and. Uh, yeah, I was, I was blessed with good mentorship and a good environment to grow. How did it feel, particularly with men, like coaching and giving men wisdom and guidance when, like, fuck, you're barely getting started on life yourself? Yeah, <clears throat> well, ultimately, one of the big pointers of my message is that it's not about arriving it or arriving or making it, so to speak. So a lot of people think, okay, once I make it, then I can be lazy, chill, relax, not really do shit. Of course, you need time to relax, positive things to look forward to, to balance out the hard work that you're putting in. But ultimately, it's all about a mindset. It's all about a habit. It's about a daily choice to get up early, to go to the gym, to do the hard things that you don't feel like doing, that you know you need to do to get to where you want to go and achieve the balance in your life of having all the things that you want. So regardless of where you've arrived, the principles behind this remain the same. Um, and so, you know, at first it was definitely um, intimidating and it still can be like when I work with, you know, guys who are a lot more successful than myself. Um, but at the end of the day, if there's principles and value I can offer somebody, then the value is there. Yeah. Like, I was going to say you weren't born this way, but 15 compared to most guys starting a journey, it's relatively early, but there's a few things I want to go into, uh, one being the way you look now and how jacked and confident you looked on the outside or look on the outside and kind of where you started at. Like not everyone is born jacked, not everyone is born confident. I'm assuming that you weren't either. No, I wasn't. Um, 
yeah, when I was 14, I was, <clears throat> when I was, when I was 12 to 14, I was super, super addicted to World of Warcraft. I was playing like 10, 15 <laughs> hours a day. Uh, uh, yeah, had a little tubby belly, skinny arms, no confidence, terrible posture. Couldn't talk to people, let alone girls. Was that even connected to the internet back then? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> yeah. So I had, you know, my internet friends, but I was afraid of the real world because I had so much yeah. social anxiety. I was so awkward, you know? <clears throat> and that's so how did you go transitioning into the world of jacked heart and confident people in the gym <laughs> you jump off the computer and go in there yeah there was a point of frustration that i hit with you know just who i was at that time because you know the biggest thing i wanted at that time was just to have a girlfriend and you know i was just i felt very unattractive unconfident and so the first thing I actually started doing when I quit playing WoW, because one day I just said enough is enough, this shit is just fucking ruining my life. Um, I started playing guitar, which was cool. It was a chance to express myself and started to feel good about myself. And about six months after I started playing guitar, I kind of got into working out, but it wasn't until about two years later when I was working out at the gym and I saw a girl bench press more than me because I was yeah. still a skinny kid. And I just thought to myself, damn, I need to really get stronger. So I started doing research on strength training when I was 16, 17. And I started doing uh, strong lifts. curiosity, what did she bench? I think she benched like a 35 each side, if I remember correctly. Like, yeah. a lot of weight. Yeah. 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 So I was just like, all right, because I was only doing like 25s each side at the time. I mean, when I first started benching, I can remember. Oh, I struggled with the bar. I remember someone showed me how to bench. I'm like, yeah, I'll do the bar easy. <laughs> yeah no it's funny because i actually started off on the smith machine with a 25 on each side which is like 50 pounds total and yeah. <laughs> but uh <clears throat> yeah so when i was 16 17 i got into strength training i read that you need to do squats to boost your testosterone levels so i was like okay fuck it i'll start training legs and uh started the whole strength training journey got really good at it found myself teaching all the other kids in my class how to do squats since nobody trained legs and uh, by the time I got to college, I was really big and strong. So, and I want to bring uh, religion into this because guys who watch us, they see the end product, and they they don't see our struggles and race, religion, age, where you're from. I mean, we're both somewhat confident and healthy guys, but we grew up in completely different countries. What was it like? uh being in america being from a, a religion that's it's not super common did that affect your confidence did that affect your identity did it affect your training <clears throat> oh yeah big time and thanks for asking that because i actually haven't asked that in a while um so funny thing when i was um five and six years old i went I don't to want to speak about it but yeah by not being spoken about it then gets swept under the rug and then creates more problems for men. So I can't speak about this shit. Big time. And the context is really important because I still am a practicing Muslim. And while there are elements where I'm not particularly religious, such as dating, um, there are other elements where I'm very religious, such as praying five times a day. So yeah, yeah when I was five and six years old, my parents sent me to Islamic school, which was uh, a great experience. They didn't have an advanced math program though. And my dad being a physicist, um, really wanted me to be, be advanced in math and use that capacity I had. So he enrolled me in public school in 2001 when I was seven years old. And guess what happened in September 2001? 
9-11. Um, yeah, September 11. So my first week of public school, I show up and I'm like, hey guys, I'm Munir, I'm Muslim, I'm a proud Muslim, just came from Islamic school, you know, and everybody knew me, okay, that's right, that been And then second week of school, my teacher comes in, she's crying, everybody's like somber, there's just this really dark vibe in the air, and she talks about how Muslim terrorists bombed the World Trade Center, or crashed to the World Trade Center. I said, Muslim terrorists, that's impossible because I've always grown up with the religious teachings that to harm another human being is strictly forbidden and that to kill one human being is as if you killed all of mankind. It's the biggest sin ever, worse than anything, worse than adultery, worse than stealing, worse than lying, worse than you know any other sin out there um, is to kill an innocent human being. And so I found that to be extremely uh, paradoxical to me. It was an oxymoron for a Muslim to be a terrorist. And that began this extremely cognitively dissonant journey that I had being very different, always being um, the kid who was treated as an outsider and I never felt like I belonged. And the funny thing is, the confident man who you see me as today, I went through a very dark phase in my teenage years. When I was a kid, I was a very confident kid. And even though I was this very confident kid, it slowly worn down on me being so different until when I was 11 and I started being into girls, got rejected by a girl, got rejected by everybody in middle school. That's when I really started to go into this dark social anxiety and became this really shy, unconfident World of Warcraft nerd, just escaping from reality and playing World of Warcraft all day. So it's, yeah. it's interesting to talk so about. I put that timeline together, started school, embraced being a Muslim, 9-11, which is just terrible timing, but the stigma around that would have been, that led you to internet life and then now you're transitioning into uh, training and that kind of thing. Pretty much, yeah. You found yourself again? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that's that's really the context is, you know, um, I, I grew up with, you know, feeling very confident about myself until that happened. And then it slowly put a chip on my shoulder being treated as different by everybody else. I mean, in elementary school, you know, being a different Muslim kid with a different name too, people used to call me manure. And like, you know, we had actual manure on the field. So whenever it blew over, everyone would look at me and be like, oh, it's the smell of manure, you know, and it was just, <laughs> kids are racist, man. And like that stuff sounds funny, but like it fucks you up. Oh yeah. It fucks you up. Like you don't do it. Yeah. It's pretty funny looking back on it. Like, now. I don't think most most adults can deal with that shit. I know, right? <laughs> okay, so Putting it all together, like, do you believe that was the point where you're like, I want to help men not experience what I went through? You know, the funny thing is, <clears throat> when I was eight years old, this is funny because we're like going into my childhood, which is awesome, by the way. I'm uh, happy to analyze into it. But uh, yeah, my brother was born when I was eight years old. And I remember there were already elements of myself that I was not happy with when I was eight years old. Uh, like I've always, I, my dad's very strict. So I always grew up with this voice of criticism in my head. Um, ironically, my dad is very different now, very, very chill, supportive. But back in the day, he was very, very strict, old school, you know, strict Muslim dad, who really just put criticism, criticism, criticism into my head. So when I was eight years old, I already had a lot of things I was very unhappy with myself about. And I remember when my brother was born, my number one thing was I want my brother to never go through I want my brother to be perfect. I never wanted him to go through the same shit I did. And when I was, yeah. 
12, 13, and I started to experience social problems, I made sure that my brother spent more time with friends and really built his social skills so that he would never deal with the same shit I did. Right now, my brother's 17. I'm very proud of him. He's a leader. Uh, he's becoming captain of his pole vault team. Just very extroverted, social, confident guy, which I'm really stoked that he never went through the shit that I did, at least in that. That's awesome, man. How old are you now? I'm 25. Just turned 25. Yeah. So this is a good 10, 10, 12, 15 years of uh, a transition period for you. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the transition period of life. <laughs> the reason why I wanted to speak to you in particular uh, about what we're speaking about, I mean, I've seen this with some of your guys as well. They see me and they're like, oh, Dan, like, you said something that I, I really relate to or resonate with. Guys would see guys like you in the gym and they would not know about the troubles you had with religion. They would not know about the troubles you had with confidence. And look at that jacked American guy. He must have had it so easy. He doesn't know what it's like for me. Do you get many men that would say things like that to you now? Um, you know, I, I think I do carry myself as fairly humble. Although I do, when I get to know people pretty well, I do definitely get like, like guys will say, wow, you're a lot f friendlier than you looked when I first saw you. But then I smile at pretty much everybody. So once I smile at people that kind of shows them that I actually get that a lot from girls where they think that I'm going to be a douchebag, but then I'm not. And <laughs> wow. Man. Uh, so yeah. That's interesting. Because as you know, we're in the same coaching community, we're in the one percent, we want to be the best coaches in what we do. And a big part of our philosophy is is upgrading humanity. And I know that sounds like a big call, but that's what I'm trying to do in each and every single conversation. So just two men, two leaders, uh, two very good coaches of what we do, two guys having a fucking chat, just being truthful. Sorry, what was that last thing you said? Just two guys trying to find the truth, trying to find answers in our own experiences. Like, there's no product at the end of this, there's no lesson. Just sharing our experiences. Hopefully, someone can get some kind of revelation from this. Mm -hmm. Big time. I mean, we all have our journeys in, life, in our lives where we're trying to find what our priorities are, what's important to us what's worth sacrificing for and what isn't. And I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about life is we're constantly discovering ourselves, discovering what we want, what we don't want. And as long as we keep pushing forward, we don't get caught up on the past and have regrets. Um, ultimately we can keep evolving forward. That's the craziest thing though. Like I might uh, have someone apply for my program and their name's Munir and I'm like, all right, man, I need you to do a live video. And they'll be like, no, I, I can't. Kids used to make fun of my name at school. I can't do a live video. Like, I don't want anyone to make fun of me. And someone who went through the exact same shit can use that as the reason to why they don't do something. They, everyone goes through shit, man. Like, everyone goes through this shit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because just like um, a, a game of poker now, I might butcher this because I don't actually know how to play poker. We're going to use the analogy, which is that you're dealt, you know, a hand that you have no control over your hand that you're dealt is not your fault, but it's your responsibility to play that hand as best you can to achieve victory. So whether that's winning a poker game by, you know, 
um, put it on your poker face and whatever versus in life. Sometimes you got to grit your teeth and just fucking take the blows as they come and push forward until you win because ultimately life's not going to give you shit. And if you complain, it's going to give you even more negative shit versus, and so many people complain thinking it's going to make things better, which actually comes from childhood where a baby complains and a pair of warm hams gives it a bottle, burps it, puts it to bed. And so many human beings never grow up. They still complain thinking that someone's going to come save them, but that's bullshit. Nobody's going to save you. And you know, a lot of our parents messed up in a way by thinking that saving us when we were kids and through a tantrum was the way to go. Um, but really, um, to teach us to learn how to solve our own problems. And a lot of our parents ne never did teach us how to solve our own problems. So it's now our responsibility to learn how to do that ourselves. You know what I mean? Well, like you said about the poker, particularly with men, when you get a bad hand in poker, when you get a bad hand in life, you have two options. You can bluff, like you said, putting on that poker face, you bluff and you pretend like it's a good hand. You pretend like you can do something with a bad hand. You can win if you choose to. Second option, your second option in life, you can fold and give up. It's a shit hand. No one will blame you. But what would you rather do? Try and win or fold? Because like you said, that there's no pity party. There's no one coming to save you. Unfortunately, it'd be nice. I wish I had some good news. But guess what, guys? <laughs> Someone's coming and they're gonna do the they're gonna do workouts for you. They're gonna fucking help you deal with your past shit. Like it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And that's the funny thing is, you know, a lot of guys when they're in a rut, that's what they want. But the crazy thing is that that's not actually what you want. You may think you want that to the guys out there listening to this thinking, oh man, that'd be so nice if someone came and got in shape for me and save me but the thing is if somebody saves you who the fuck is going to lead your life because yeah. if you let somebody else lead your life for you then you have no control you got to be able to million dollars everything would be fine if i just had a million dollars yeah and it's like you, you miss out on the opportunity to grow and to challenge yourself and to better yourself if somebody does the work for you you know do you remember a period in your journey where you did have that mindset where you're like this fucking sucks like when someone comes save me Oh yeah. I mean, shit. It's honestly a very recent revelation. Um, I'd say honestly. Um, so there's a period. So you and I work with the same mentor Lynn, uh, to give some context to the guys out there who are listening and Lynn is an amazing mentor and he's given us the systems we need to become amazing coaches and spread our movement. And the funny thing is that it takes a lot of work, just like anything in life worth having. And I found myself becoming impatient with the process thinking that there might be an easier way. And, there's another mentor who I hired alongside Lynn thinking that it was going to make things easier for me and teach me a better way, a better system. And while that mentor has taught me valuable new information, it doesn't save me from having to do the work. And ultimately that's when I really realized, holy shit, dude, nobody's going to save you or make things easier for you. You can always learn and you should always learn and invest in yourself and grow and improve yourself. But at the end of the day, if you're always consuming information, but never actually taking 120% massive action on it, you're never actually going to succeed. And the funny thing is, if you look at some of the most successful people in the world, they're not the smartest. They're the ones who work the hardest. For instance, my roommate, and I tell him this all the time, so I'm not talking shit, but my roommate has never read a book in his life and he still has a very successful business. Obviously, he would be a lot more successful if he read some books, but he's built by pure hustle. Hustle is so much more important than information. It's, it's little things each and every single day. Like it's massive action. There's also little things like, it's 10 p.m. here on a Friday night. 
you said it was the only time I could speak to you. And I thought, you know what, fuck it. Like, I usually like doing this kind of thing in the morning when I'm all fresh, like it's good for me, I'm comfortable. But if I do this now, maybe I'll get something different or at the very least, I just, you gotta push yourself, just little things each and every single day, like it adds up to like that ultimate change versus Friday night, oh, I can't be fucked then. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, new experiences always give you new things. It's, it's kind of amazing. So I love that perspective. Mm. What I always do when I speak to people, you, you, see, you see the outside. And, and like you said, girls say to you, oh, you look like a douchebag, but you're really nice. Like people see what they want to see. But people also come here for, like you said, they like to be led. What would you tell a man? And again, like you, you're younger than me. So this is where it's interesting. Like either take the advice or not, not because of someone's age or someone's background or someone's race. Say a man wants to become confident, successful and build a physique like you. What would you say to him no matter where he is uh, in his life? Just at the start of his journey. Yes. So what I would say is that, um, there are certain priorities that you need to execute on every single day. And so I believe that the body and the physical disciplines that you can repeat every single day and take 100% control of are the foundation for everything else that you're going to build. So I'm a firm believer that working out first thing in the morning is the best way to go if you are a young, ambitious man, because that way, all the other things that you have going on throughout the day aren't going to get in the way. It's so easy for something else to come up if you have, if you still have to work out, it's going to get in the way. So if you wake up a little bit earlier, start each day with an efficient workout that's going to give you energy and follow optimized nutrition, and you just start building that nucleus with the little habits, with just not even a crazy workout, just the little things to build your foundations, you're going to start to establish momentum. And once you establish momentum, you can continue to build on that and build on that and build on that. Now, when you have a consistent daily routine like that, where you're taking care of yourself, you're building your confidence, you're building your momentum, you now empower yourself to be able to take greater action in other aspects of your life. So for instance, if you want to be successful, you have to define what successful looks like. Does that mean that you have the time to spend with your family? Does that mean that you make X amount of money? Does it mean that you have a certain sense of fulfillment knowing that the talents and passions that you have as a man are serving other people in a positive way and that you're at full capacity? For most guys, it's all those things. And the question now becomes, this vision that you start to build for yourself, what steps do you need to take today, tomorrow, the next day, and that you need to keep taking every single day to get to that person? So that is where I would have somebody start to put it all in a nutshell. Yeah. I honestly believe too, and, and the reason why I did want to speak to you as well, like ultimately America, Australia, English, Australian English, like, the philosophies are all relatively the same. Like I'm the same man, yeah. lazy motherfucker, not confident, became disciplined, built all the skill sets basically from training. Absolutely, that's what training did for me. I mean, I was super, you know, lazy, unmotivated, unhappy, unconfident before I started physical training. And even just physical training for fun did a lot for me. And when I got really serious about it and started seeing serious progress, it built that ability to set and achieve goals, to be disciplined, to be committed to something greater than what you want immediately in that moment and be committed to that greater goal that's going to require you to make sacrifices, but that ultimately fulfills you 
It makes you feel proud of yourself knowing that you're doing the things you need to do. Like you said, you can't tell someone this stuff. Like you literally, you literally have to discover it on your own. Like you change your body with your thoughts and what you do with it and some food. And you literally look at it and be like, oh, I did this on my own. What else can I do? And then you just start changing shit like crazy. But until you, until you can control what you put in your mouth, until you can control your thoughts for at least a little bit, until you can get your ass off the gym and you don't have to become like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger like my near, but like at least fucking walk around the block or some shit. Yeah, exactly. And as human beings, we are physical creatures. And there is something to be said about going for walks because um, not all of my clients work out first thing in the morning. Most do, but some of them have different schedules. But I'm a big believer that it's important to have a morning routine. And a big part of that morning routine and of nighttime routine as well, depending on what time you work out and everything else, is to do something physical. And for me and my clients, that's to go for what we call a clarity walk. So a clarity walk is you commit to five to 10 minutes of walking. You usually end up going for a longer walk than that. And you just get that blood flow. You go outside, you get the fresh air, you get the perspective of having the sky in front of you instead of being indoors. And like Master Lin says, creating space. Creating, exactly. You create space. And that can be achieved through meditation as well. I'm a big fan of meditation too, but I find myself going for more clarity walks as a form of walking meditation where I'm getting that blood flow. Man, I do the same thing, but... Don't want to give away all our secrets in, in one conversation. True. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, even if we told everyone what to do, like they wouldn't, they wouldn't fucking do it. Man. Like, get up and go for a walk. Uh, I don't really want to. <laughs> yeah, accountability is so important. And that's another thing too, is it ties in with what we were talking about earlier with people wanting to be saved, is that we as a culture, English-speaking cultures, but really as a world culture, have lost the ability to stay accountable. And I think a big cause of that, and you might agree with this is um, modern marketing. Marketing is always trying to sell us an easier, better, more efficient way that absolves us of having to take the, or uh, do the work, such as a more comfortable couch, a more comfortable bed, a magic pill that gets you in shape, a you know piece of technology that organizes your life for you, which is nice. But the things people tell me these days, I'm like, you actually thought like it was going to do that for you? Yeah. Like, you deserve to get ripped off. That's true. You do have to get ripped off a couple times, though, before you learn. So there's that. Failure is one of our best teachers. Yeah, I must admit, I've probably done something similar. I know I spent fucking thousands of dollars on fucking supplements and other junk. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll go through that phase as serious fitness. But, yeah, it's all part of the lesson. The, the embarrassment, the failures, the spending money on stupid shit. Like it's all part of these lessons that you almost need to go through on your own. Like it's a lot more easier and cost effective at a diet, but it's like, like we said about changing your body with your own damn actions. You need to fucking like see that on your own until you understand it. Mm-hmm. Even people watching this now, they're like, yeah, but like, isn't there a surgery or some shit I can get? It's funny. Ironically, there's a period where I loved gaining muscle and strength, but I hated losing fat. Losing fat is definitely less fun than gaining muscle. But I remember there was even a phase after I'd bulked up and gotten all big where I was like, I wonder what would happen if I just did surgery or maybe if I joined the military and they forced me to do conditioning, I would get lean. But 
you just got to put in the work. And there is some value to be said about that though. And I actually did hire a coach when I was uh, 23 years old. So I'm going to go a little bit deep into uh, something else, but or 24, but I'm going to go deep into something else, which is that from 21 to 23, I actually did fall into the savior trap where from age 19 to 21, I was really into supplements. When I was 21 to 23, I actually got into steroids. And so about one and a half, two years ago, I was all juiced up. My liver was destroyed. My appetite was destroyed from my liver being destroyed. And I hit this point where the health consequences of being on steroids completely outweighed any benefits that I saw from being on them. I was losing my hair and everything. Thankfully, it's mostly come back. But um, I found myself in this place where I hated cutting so much that one of the reasons why I started taking steroids was because I wanted to be able to get cut and maintain all my muscle and make it happen more easily. And what put that idea in your mind? Was it social media? Was it just what the goal physique you wanted? The the steroids thing, getting lean and all that? Yeah, just thinking like I need to fucking turn this shit up to 10. Yeah. So when I was 21, I already had a great physique. I was probably about 14% body fat, which means you can see some ab definition. I was about 12 to 14%. So you can see some decent ab definition, but I wanted to just be absolutely shredded, like no fat on my body. And I figured, and I, at this point I was doing everything I could to maximize my natural testosterone levels, but I figured that there was no way to get cut without losing muscle or size unless I took steroids. So my first steroid cycle, I did 16 weeks and the first eight weeks I bulked up about 18 pounds and the remaining eight weeks I cut down about 27 pounds from training double days because I was able to recover from all that just from you know, being on gear, training really, really hard twice a day. What put this idea in my mind, honestly, was I had been researching a lot about hormones for a couple of years beforehand. And I had learned and I had seen people who took steroids who seemed to get no health consequences. And I said to myself, maybe it's not as bad as people would say as far as the health consequences. And unfortunately, it took me about two years before the health consequences started to really add up. And I realized how much it was damaging my liver, my hairline, my skin my endocrine system. And uh, I'm glad to be out of that because it definitely feels good to not be on steroids. I feel a lot healthier. Yeah. Awesome. It's interesting having this discussion because I know there's always two kinds of people. There's the kind that have done their research, they understand it, or at least understand the basics. And then there's the 90% of society where it's like, you're a bad person. And of course you look like that for steroids. Absolutely. Yeah, that's and again, like we're just keeping it real. We're two guys who've been in this industry who've done certain things with our life, done certain substances. Like we just want to put the truth and uh, put some clarity on some things. Like, yes, there's things you shouldn't do, but yes, there's things you should also do. You should live your own life. You should be your own man. But even when we make choices, it's hard to find the right information. It's hard to find the right education. And like you said, you probably made all those, uh, I guess, mistakes or, or whatever led to the health issues because you couldn't find the right information. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I did use them in a relatively safe way. I mean, if I hadn't, I probably would be really fucked right now, uh, health wise. But yeah, I mean, I was still, you know, on cycle more time out of the year than not or maybe half and half 
but yeah, after I came off, um, that's why I hired a bodybuilding coach to teach me how to actually cut naturally without steroids. And the crazy thing was by keeping my protein intake at one and a half times body weight and by doing a progressive cardio program and keeping my macros super consistent, which requires the two things that nobody wants to do, consistent cardio and consistent meal tracking. Uh, I was actually able to get really cut really quickly without losing any muscle completely naturally yeah. in my mind. It's funny what a bit of information done consistently with it, huh? Oh, yeah. And accountability, too, because that shit was hard. If I wasn't accountable to texting this guy my weight every single morning, I don't know if I could have done it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Oh, man. We covered a lot. Religion, drugs, identity. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Big time. That's how we roll. Man, I appreciate uh, taking an hour of your time. Uh, as you guys know, guys in my coaching community or any other guys that uh, watch this video all the way through, I've had my own challenges, but we all do. And if you put in the reps, if you do the work, if you apply yourself, I've been fortunate enough for many to be in my life the last maybe six months uh, through my coaching community. This is what happens when you apply yourself to your life, to your training, to correcting the errors. You'll be able to meet amazing people like Manir and your life will get better. But the reason why I'm telling you this is it's not going to happen. Like, it's not going to happen on its own. You need to do the work. You need to make the sake. You need to let go of your shitty friends who are drinking beers this weekend. Yeah. You need to invest in your knowledge. And you need to do shit consistently. I'm not talking about January 1st. I'm talking about 90% of the fucking year. Like, I know you're looking for a secret or a hack on how to meet cool people, how to do cool shit with your life, how to look good. There's no fucking secret. It's Friday night. It's almost midnight. It's high fucking work. That's the secret. doesn't matter if you're Muslim. doesn't matter if you live in America. doesn't matter if you're white. doesn't matter if you're rich. doesn't matter if you're poor. Like if you get a shitty, like many said, you get a shitty hand in poker, you play that motherfucker. 100%. And yeah, January 1st, fucking June 14th, it doesn't matter what day of the year it is, you choose to put in the work in this very moment. So the, the very moment that you're watching this podcast, as soon as we end this podcast, you have one of two choices. Watch another video, consume more information, sit on the couch, not do shit, or actually get up and apply some of the things you've learned and get up and actually work for what you want. And I'm guaranteeing you that the second choice is going to make you so much more happy and successful in the long run, but you must choose to do it today and embrace the uncomfortable. Yeah, brother. Well, you enjoy your Friday, man. Just getting started. I'm going to wrap my day up. Absolutely. We'll, uh, I'll talk to you through the magic of the internet. Sounds good, man. Thank Thanks you for having me on.